Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Just a little more detail on what looks like breaking news. Micah Shrewsbury is about to become the new basketball coach at Notre Dame. Pete Thamel of ESPN had it first Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated says it's a seven-year deal, and I just saw Matt Fortuna from The Athletic. He reports that Shrewsbury had a $4 million buyout and had the opportunity to get a big extension and raise at Penn State that would have doubled his salary, but he chose the Fighting Irish. So Jack Swarbrick and the Irish, if that is true, they spent $4 million on the buyout to get their guy, Micah Shrewsbury. So the Brinks truck is backing up to Purcell Pavilion as we speak. All this happening on day one of Notre Dame football spring practice, and we talked to Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. That's a pretty good way to make an impact. You decide to be the head coach of Notre Dame on day one of spring practice and throw everything haywire around here, huh? Yeah, for sure. And, hey, I thought Notre Dame doesn't like to pay buyouts or is unwilling to do so. That's that's what I heard about a month or two ago. So this is shocking, Darren, absolutely shocking. Tyler, we're talking basketball coach over offensive coordinator in football. Come on now, priorities, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> well, we will pass along any further details. And, of course, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. They are following this story as well. Check out the website, blueandgold.com. Let's talk a little football. Let me get your reaction to seeing Chris Tyree lining up with the wide receivers today. Yeah, it sounds like Jared Parker in his first month on the job. He's just surveying the message boards and taking tips from random Notre Dame fans because, uh, all jokes aside, this is what a lot of people have been calling for for quite some time, right? It's Notre Dame has this electric player who is really supposedly really good with the ball in his hands in space, and he wasn't really getting those opportunities as a running back. Now, he had 100 carries this past season, which is quite a bit, but none of those really seemed like he was going to take one the distance, or I think Notre Dame's running game is a little more set up to kind of ground out 5, 10, 15 yards, 20 yards at the most, and you saw that even with Audric Estime and Logan Diggs, where they were two fantastic running backs, both averaged at least five yards per carry, but neither guy really had that long one. Those were coming more in the running game. I, I remember Logan Diggs had a really long touchdown catch. I think it was against North Carolina. Audric Estime had a really nice catch that set up a touchdown against Cal, and even Chris Tyree had a touchdown catch against Cal, so... You have these running backs who are very good at running. I would say Tyree and Estime and Diggs are 1A and 1B in that regard. You you leave Chris Tyree out, and Marcus Freeman said in his press conference today, hey, 
He's still a really good football player. We need to get the ball in his hands. And I think when you bring in a quarterback like Sam Hartman, you might finally see what Chris Tyree can do as a slot receiver or lining out out wide. Because last year he did it from time to time. But you had a backup quarterback in Drew Pine who was looking at number 87, Michael Mayer, pretty much every single play. And the ones that they did dial up for Chris Tyree, Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator at the time, they just never really went anywhere. So maybe if you transition him to full-time wide receiver, which is not a, a done deal, Marcus Freeman said today, you might still see him at running back here and there as well. But maybe this is the year that Chris Tyree finally breaks out and, and has those really long touches. Because last year he touched the ball quite a bit. He didn't have those real breakout long touches that you thought you were going to see after a really successful freshman year. I have a feeling the answer to this question is somewhere in between. But is this more about the running back room is so full that you can tinker a little bit with this? Or is it more about the need of having one more body that you can count on at wide receiver, more of a veteran guy catching the football? Yeah, it's definitely somewhere in the middle. But to to some surprise, I would actually probably lean toward the former more so than the latter, just because you have two guys, like I said, in Estime and Diggs, who I think are, are really good. I mean, if that's what they did at sophomores last year, both ran for over 800 yards, both ran for five yards a carry. They look like an awesome one-two punch, 1A, 1B, like I said. If that's what they did as sophomores. I think they're going to be even better as juniors. And then Marcus Freeman today hinted that Jadarian Price, who – after we saw the blue goal game last year, and even in spring practices last year, I think the media was really high on this guy. I actually was privileged enough to see him in high school, one of his, uh, I think it was the first game of his senior year, actually, down in Denison, Texas. That dude is the real deal. He can do both for you, and he can block, too. So he's really that all-tool running back. If he comes in and kind of stakes his claim as the number three guy, I think it's more of a force out and putting Tyree at wide receiver than it is Notre Dame needs wide receivers. Because on the flip side of that coin, I saw three freshman wide receivers, Enrico Flores, uh, Rico, Rico Flores, Jaden Greathouse, and uh, Braylon James today at, at practice, who could probably play wide, right away. I mean, Rico Flores had some tree trunks for thighs, and I was like, are you kidding me? This, this dude is a freshman? It seems like he's going to be – He's not going to be lacking anything in, in terms of physicality, and that's what probably kept Tobias Merriweather off the field for the first half of last season as a true freshman at the wide receiver position. I think Rico Flores has that. Jaden Greathouse has that. Braylon James dropped a couple balls today. He's going to have to prove it in that regard to get on the field. But I think you have the bodies now at wide receiver. So this, to me, is more of, hey, the running back room is stout. Yeah, we got the bodies at wide receiver, but maybe Chris Tyree, like you said, Darren, more of the veteran presence can come in and, and be a guy right away in that room. Hmm. Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, is my guest on day one of Notre Dame football spring practice. I know you don't get to see a whole lot, but any early impressions of the brand-new starting quarterback, Sam Hartman? Yeah, you could tell that this is his sixth spring ball you know he's a guy that kind of commanded things right away and you have to realize he's only been here with these guys for two months and that's a pretty long time to get to know people but it looks like he's been here for two years or, or even his entire college career which is now going in to its sixth season 
Uh, you saw the deep ball today. You saw some zip on the intermediate routes. Uh, I think he's just a real go-getter. There was a point in practice today where the quarterbacks were lined up 10 yards away from each other, so at the back of the end zone to the goal line, and they were just loosening up their arms, stationary throwing, so they're not moving their feet when they're throwing, really trying to get that arm socket loosened up and just get ready for the course of a two-hour practice. And I'm sure Gino Gadulli, the quarterback's coach, kind of tells them when, okay, take a couple steps back. We're going to start working to 15 yards and maybe even 20 yards after that. Sam Hartman, he just kind of flew right through it, and, and he was a couple yards behind the other guys before anyone moved. And, and, and that comes with a guy being in his sixth year saying, okay, I'm going to kind of do my own thing. But I think it's just kind of a go-getter. This, this is his first practice at this place he, he was chomping at the bit to get out there and just do everything at a rapid pace and you know that'll get a freshman in trouble if if you're kind of over your skis a little bit you might tumble but I don't think Sam Hartman gets over his skis I think he knew exactly what he was doing he was pumped for the day and he you know like you said we don't see a whole lot in these five periods but I, I saw enough to know that hey that's a leader of a football team right there and Notre Dame is better for having him Outside of Tyree and Hartman, did anything catch your eye today? Yeah, I think I'll go back to Rico Flores Jr. I mean, he made a couple plays in the fifth period is when we get to see quarterbacks actually throwing to wide receivers. And Rico Flores Jr. was running some out routes and some corners that kind of go to the sideline. Luckily, I was standing right there with my video camera. And he was making some toe taps on the sideline. He was making some strong catches. I mean, he wasn't just kind of reaching out there and hoping for the best. You could tell he was kind of hunting the ball, and I think that's something Notre Dame has been missing at the wide receiver position as someone that just goes after the ball and wants to make a play on it. It seems like Rico Flores Jr. is going to be that guy. And then another thing I'll add just kind of anecdotally is I don't think Notre Dame is missing a whole lot in terms of a vocal presence and a real leader in an offensive line coach with Harry Heastan retiring. And that's saying something because he's kind of the guru. He's the guy that a lot of people, you know, think of when building this Notre Dame program into what it is, offensive line university in a lot of ways. You think Harry Heastan, but Joe Rudolph was right there in the mix with these guys. Here's another guy that hasn't been here a long time, a shorter amount of time than, than Sam Hartman has been here, really one month when you think about it. And it seemed like he knew everybody's name. He knew how to attack these guys with certain coaching tips that are going to work for one guy. Maybe this guy needs a little more praise. Maybe this guy needs a little more constructive criticism to kind of say, hey, we need to do this instead of that. Every single rep, Joe Rudolph was doing that. And it was kind of funny because it did remind me of Harry Heastan in a lot of ways, going back to last spring ball and last fall camp, me being out there watching Harry Heastan. I think Joe Rudolph is kind of the same type of teacher so it's going to be really nice for that group to kind of not have any drop-offs. They're, they're going from one guy who knew what he was doing to another that comes right right in and does sort of, sort of the same thing. Marcus Freeman was asked today about Brandon Hillman, the signee in the 23 class who asked out of his national letter of intent and committed to Michigan. And he said at some point that Hillman would tell his side of the story. He didn't want to do that. I see Hillman has spoken to a Michigan beat reporter, and, and Hillman says Notre Dame had requirements that I had to meet, and I didn't meet it, end quote. So this just appears to be one of those unfortunate situations where 
Hey, Notre Dame is different, Tyler. They are not shy about saying that. It's the truth, and this is just one of those situations. Academically, it just didn't work out, and I would have to think it puts Notre Dame in a position where they may have to add another safety when the portal opens up once again. Yeah, I would not be shocked if they go after somebody for sure at that position. And just getting back to Hillman, I think it was probably good. I don't think Marcus Freeman knew that this athletic beat reporter from Michigan was going to be coming out with that story today. Maybe (laughs) Freeman's quote kind of prompted that. But uh, I do give credit to Freeman for kind of protecting the kid and and letting him tell his story. And then, like you said, Darren, it, it ends up being told today from that beat reporter. So, yeah, it is different. Um, I think Notre Dame would have loved to have that kid. But, look, if, if it was getting caught here at the 11th hour, midnight, whatever you want to call it, I mean, he was ready to, to be on campus. Then it was never going to work out anyway, and it would have hurt a lot worse if somehow he did slip through the cracks and he got on campus and then ended up leaving within a semester before he ever played a game for Notre Dame. So this is probably the best for both parties. He gets to go – to a place that has been in the college football playoff the last couple of years, won the Big Ten the last couple of years. So it's going to work out for Hillman. And like you said, Darren, if Notre Dame's able to go to the portal and get a safety, then it's going to work out for Notre Dame too. Because I was asked this question on the blueandbull.com message board recently and said, what's going on with safety recruiting at Notre Dame? Well, I don't think a whole lot is going on. This Hillman thing obviously doesn't work out for reasons beyond Marcus Freeman's control. So they got a guy to pledge to play here, and it just didn't work out. Couldn't get him on campus for the academic reason. And then you're talking about a program who I just saw Kyle Hamilton today at Notre Dame football program. There's an All-American that's played for these guys in the last two years. Brandon Joseph was an All-American at Northwestern. He didn't have an All-American type season at Notre Dame, but Notre Dame still went out and got him. He could have gone a lot of other places. A lot of other places would have accepted Brandon Joseph uh, a year and a couple months ago in January when he was looking for a new home. He chose Notre Dame. So I think Notre Dame is going to have really good safeties again at some point. There's just some hiccups at at certain positions along the way, and safety isn't the only one that we're talking about that with Notre Dame right now. So it's all going to be fine for Notre Dame and, and safeties. Saturday morning at 11.30, the Irish women's basketball team will play in the Sweet 16 against Maryland. But to get to the Sweet 16, Tyler, it felt like they had to win a rock fight against Mississippi State. <laughs> what was the difference in that round of 32 matchup with the Bulldogs? Yeah, I give all the credit to the NCAA for allowing media down courtside because, you know, Darren, we're usually sitting up yeah. at Purcell Pavilion up on the uh, in that little press box area that they have way up there above all the rest of the seats. But I felt like I needed to duck a few times because, like you said, there were rocks flying all over the place. <laughs> Purcell Pavilion was not a safe environment for basketball that day. Sometimes you have those, though. And I think with Notre Dame, that's just kind of what you have right now without your two starting guards from the backcourt. I mean, there was immense upside for this team. I saw Elite Eight with fringe Final Four possibility before the season even started because you knew you had Olivia Miles, who's one of the best point guards in the game, and you knew you had Dara Mabry, who's playing a fifth season. When she's on from three, she's a real sniper. Even when she's off, teams have to account for that. And, by the way, when Miles can't bring the ball up, foul trouble, rest, whatever it is, you have Mabry to bring the ball up. You subtract both of those players from that equation, now you're talking about a team that's probably maximized its potential in the Sweet 16. I think they're going to have a heck of a time trying to play against Maryland who can really score. You saw Sunday that it, it takes a lot for Mississippi or for Notre Dame to score. You saw that against Mississippi State. And I think it's just because 
Sonia Citrone has never really been in a position, at least at Notre Dame. It, it probably happened in high school. In fact, I know it happened in high school, where she's just being pressured and hounded and harassed from her own free throw line all the way to the opposing uh, the opposing baseline, right underneath the basket. She was just being harassed. It was tough. And then you're asking a true freshman in KK Bransford to bring the ball up. Maddie Westfeld is 6'3", a little bit of a bigger frame. She was even bringing the ball up as a forward at some time. So I think this Notre Dame offense is just, I don't want to say it's lost, but it's, it's obviously not the same without Miles and Mabry. And now you're going up against a team that already beat Notre Dame in South Bend at Pearl, Pearl Pavilion. Granted, it was on a buzzer beater, but the Irish had Miles and Mabry in that game. You subtract mm. them here, and the Terrapins still have Diamond Miller, who dropped 31 on the Irish in that game. It's just a really tough proposition. And credit to Neil Ivey for getting out of South Bend, though. It would have been tough for this season to come to an end on the home floor. They found a way to kind of gut out a victory, and here they are going to Greenville, where it is still March, and anything can happen. Tell our listeners how Irish fans can be a part of the Blue and Gold family. Pretty important time right now with spring practice, Shrewsbury, and the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Such an important time that if you go to blueandgold.com right now and you're not a subscriber, you can find a link on there where you can sign up for only $10 for the next four months. So this is a huge month, March, the end of March, all the way through the Blue Gold game on April 22nd. Uh, and like you said, we've got women's basketball coverage. We've got men's basketball coverage. Once those things, those things kind of die down, maybe we'll have some more baseball coverage. And then obviously going into the off season, we'll start ramping up football again. So you say now is a good time to sign up at blueandgold.com. I think it's always a great time to sign up at blueandgold.com because we've got you covered on fighting Irish athletics year round. Good to talk to you as always, Tyler. Greatly appreciate it. We will talk to you next week. All right, Darren. Have a good one. You too. Thank you so much. Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter and covers the Irish women's basketball team for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. In about 15 minutes, we'll talk to the head coach of the number one team in the country in men's lacrosse, Notre Dame's Kevin Corrigan. Again, the breaking news, Micah Shrewsbury. It is our anticipation that he will become the new men's basketball coach at Notre Dame. He leaves Penn State after two years to come back to his home state of Indiana to take over the Fighting Irish. 626 at WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 